0: From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope this episode finds you doing well. The month of March is Women's History Month. Did you know that as recently as the 1970s, women's history was virtually an unknown topic for students K through 12? In 1978, a California Education Task Force began a movement to establish Women's History Week. According to the National Women's History Alliance, it took until 1986 for 14 states to declare March as Women's History Month. Momentum grew and state-by-state, Congress was lobbied, and finally in 1987, March was declared as National Women's History Month. A special presidential proclamation is issued every year, which honors the extraordinary achievements of American women. There are so many amazing women who I could choose from in this state that would be worthy of celebrating. But I did have to choose one for this episode. So I'm sitting down with Lexington sculptor, designer, and CEO of Prometheus Art, Amanda Matthews. I FIRST MET AMANDA IN 2018 WHEN DIGGING INTO A STORY ABOUT THE LACK OF PUBLIC ART REPRESENTING WOMEN ACROSS THIS STATE AND COUNTRY. PUBLIC ART IS MEANT TO INSPIRE, EDUCATE AND START A CONVERSATION IN MANY WAYS. THE PIECES MATTHEWS HAS BEEN COMMISSIONED TO CREATE OFTENTIMES REPRESENT WOMEN WHO HAVE BEEN OVERLOOKED but who have contributed greatly and many times have a voice that still rings true today uniquely kentucky with amber Philpot is brought to you by the wkyt news and weather apps available on the app store and google play i am joined now by american sculptor amanda matthews who just so happens to call central kentucky home amanda welcome into
1: uniquely kentucky thank you so much it's an honor to be here amber you
0: are um, you are doing some amazing work, um, and, and I wanted to have you on because this is Women's History Month. Um, yesterday, as we're putting this podcast out into the world, was International Women's Day, and you really have found a place in your art to carve out a niche for women and to make sure that they have a place, a lasting place um, in history when it comes to your art. I want to start with that because women have really fought to be where they are in this place in the world. And so for you to go back and make sure that they are um, a part of your art is really special. Why is that important to you?
1: Well, these are such needed conversations. Um, obviously, there's a dearth of sculptures across our nation honoring women. And there was a recent um, monument audit that was completed by the national monument lab and the national monument audit revealed that of the top 50 people honored in public statuary, only three are women. And so it's just so obvious that women need more representation, especially in this realm. And it's also important because our children, both girls and boys, need to see these symbols, need to see these icons, because when they are lacking, then the inspiration is can also be lacking. I mean, we need to see these things in our environment. So I wanted to dedicate a big part of my career to trying to kind of resurrect the stories of women in the past and and even current day.
0: You know, when I met you a few years ago for a story, we were talking about this very topic that I think, you know, it was jaw-dropping to me at that time to learn that, you know, out of like 6,000-some monuments, we're talking about maybe 7% represent women. And then when we broke it down and we were looking at just right there at, in Kentucky and home and right in central Kentucky, there wasn't really any representation. And I just remember thinking, this is jaw dropping. And, and you really um, have helped shine a light on that with a couple of your pieces that we'll talk about later. But even in Kentucky, we are so far behind even in in this in this as well.
1: Well, in 2014, I was actually doing some research on this, and I came across an article in the Courier Journal that basically said that the only woman honored in public statuary on state-owned land was General Castleman's horse. I mean, it was a horse. And Interestingly, also, the the National Monument Audit revealed that if you're a mermaid, you're 11 times more likely to be honored with statuary than if you're a U.S. Congresswoman. So Kentucky is a representative microcosm of the rest of the United States. But unfortunately, we still do fall behind in some ways. This is one of those examples. So I really felt inspired as a female sculptor and as the CEO of a bronze foundry. I felt like if anyone could possibly help change this, it was me. So I that set me on my course where I am today.
0: You know, um, when I was at your foundry and and again, for people that Are not blessed, I think, with um, the talent that you have. It is really um, inspiring. It's really um, kind of just awe inspiring and jaw dropping to see the work that you do. And I remember walking in and seeing some of the the work that was happening right before me. And and I thought, wow, making this come to life is really incredible. And I remember one of the pieces you were working on, um, well, two actually, Nettie Depp and then Alice Dunnigan. And, you know, I was kind of embarrassed. I didn't know those stories. And I learned those stories through your art and what you were doing. So let's talk about those two pieces right off the bat. We'll start with Nettie. She was a pioneer in education in this state. Talk to me about getting her piece to where she will soon be in this state.
1: Boy, that one has been a very long process. So with with that particular project, I really felt like I needed to try to start at the top, meaning that if we could honor a woman with statuary in the most revered building in our state, then the dozens and thousands and thousands, dozens of thousands of children who go to the Capitol every year would be able to see that as part of their tour. So Nettie Depp just, she did so many things. She was a teacher. She was a principal. She ran for office and was elected as a school administrator seven years before women could even vote in the state of Kentucky. So she was such a trailblazer on so many levels and, but she's unknown and that's okay because I wanted her to serve as a proxy for any other woman, any other little girl in the state of Kentucky, to to see that you don't have to have a certain type of privilege to become anything you aspire to become. That's really the story of, you know, of Nettie Depp, of being a teacher first and then stepping into these other bigger roles as a leader, just because she felt called to do it. So Uh, hopefully we will have her in the Capitol very soon. The pandemic of course has thrown a wrench into a lot of, you know, well-laid plans, but, uh, but she is in bronze now. And, um, so we're hoping to have her in the Capitol soon. And, and remind me, I think I read this about you, that you were very emphatic that when she is brought
0: in, that she is brought in kind of at the hands of some females, right?
1: Yes. There are several things that I would like to see. I, I, the, the bringing her, she's heavy in bronze, (laughs) but I really felt like in particular that if we had a group of, of women, even first responders, people Mm. who who are um, physicality is part of what they do and, and part of how they serve their community. I felt like it would be such an incredible show of uh, talent and show of force in a way to, to have a group of women literally lift and carry her into the Capitol. Um, and then it also allows other women to participate who maybe aren't familiar with this story, who can actually become a part of it instead of just hearing about it. And so in that way, I like to involve as many women as possible, uh, because I feel like that builds a community around supporting women, supporting other women as well.
0: You know, and then the other person, when I was in the foundry um, that was sort of in different stages of work or the beginning, I think, very early was Miss Dunnigan's piece, Alice Dunnigan. And that was something that was sort of right after my own heart um, for people that, that wouldn't know she was the first Black woman to receive press credentials to the White House, um, just has a really long, wonderful history in terms of um, a female journalist and, and, a, and, a, and a journalist of color
1: in this country. Yes, She was a journalist, absolutely. She was also one, she was such an early civil rights activist. So if we think about Alice Dunigan's history in Kentucky and nationally, you know, the civil rights era, most people attribute to the 1960s. Alice Dunnigan was doing this work in the 1940s. She was so far ahead of where we attribute the civil rights era. She had such a national presence as well, like you said, being credentialed and whatnot, but she also worked for four different presidents. She was incredibly involved in Truman's run for office. As a matter of fact, we unveiled the sculpture of her in Washington, D.C., but then several months later, it was moved to the, president, the Truman Presidential Library, and we had programming there as well as several other colleges. And that's because she traveled with President Truman on his whistle-stop tour. We ended up having so much programming around her and the sculpture of her because her life is so incredible and her legacy is so far-reaching we called it the Second Whistle Stop Tour. Um, Alice Dunnigan is just a gem of of a person, of a woman, and she contributed so much to Kentucky's history, but also to our nation's history. You
0: recently also, I mean, I, I just love that I, the fact that I can keep going on with all of these amazing <laughs> stories that that all lead back to sculpture from you. But I, I'm I'm one weekend I turn on the television and maybe some of our listeners and our viewers would have seen this on CBS. I see Amanda Matthews standing in New York city with her sculpture. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And this was another story that was kind of uh, partial to me anyway, from a, from a reporter standpoint, but you have this beautiful, um, installation, um, that is representative Nellie Bly, and and if people don't know who Nellie Bly is, I'm gonna give them a pass because they may not. But someone like me, um, I know. But um, she was sort of like our first investigative journalist and a woman at that. But Amanda, this piece that is there is at what Roosevelt Island it is really thought provoking um, in also telling Nellie Bly's story, but it's also really thought provoking for the other women that you included in this as well. Where did all of that come from and how did it come about?
1: Well, the, it's called the girl puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, And the girl puzzle is the title of Nellie Bly's first published work in 1885. And she wrote that and signed it lonely orphan girl, because she had lost her father when she was only six years old. And when she lost her father, she and her mother and siblings were basically plunged into poverty. So she had a very different perspective on what how she had to survive basically. And so she was responding to an article called, What Girls Are Good For where the writer went on a screed against working women and called them a monstrosity. Well, Nellie Bly knew that she couldn't survive unless she worked. So she responded to this very strongly with the girl puzzle. So the title of the monument that I created, that we created in New York City, is also called the girl puzzle. And it does represent Nellie Bly but Nellie Bly is a national figure. She is an international figure and a hero, really. She was not only um, an accomplished journalist and the first investigative journalist in the United States and worked for Joseph Pulitzer, she was also the first female to circumnavigate the earth alone. So she broke a world record and she has so many accomplishments. She was an inventor. She held patents. She was, um, She was uh, a writer of other types of of things. She was um, a philanthropist in her later days. She just crosses so many categories. So I felt like it would be difficult to convey her legacy with a sculpture just of Nellie Bly. What she is most known for is her advocacy for others, in particular marginalized citizens, and more specifically women. So her first her first assignment from Joseph Pulitzer, wh- when she worked for the New York world, was to go to what was then Blackwell Island and investigate the women's asylum because there were stories that the women were not being well taken care of. So this is what, um, she she writes about this and it ended up becoming a book called 10 days in a madhouse mm-hmm. so these stories that she includes about all of the women who she met made me think of these wonderful women who I know in my life today women who were just as broken women who had who had worked to put themselves back together to be healthy, to, you know, people who had suffered great loss, but who had overcome it. And so I felt like the only way we could truly convey Nellie Bly's legacy was to continue her great work of advocacy. And that's why you see so many of these other giant faces of these beautiful women of all ages and in the monument I have reflected these women, which represent many facets of humanity, including Asian and Black and immigrant and young and old and LGBTQ uh, community members, because Nellie Bly represented and advocated for all different types of women. So that's a brief synopsis. Um, The story of Nellie Bly has been told and written over and over and over for decades. So she's, she's quite an international um, and an internationally known figure.
0: One of the things that I was struck by in the piece um, that you were able to do um, with CBS is that there was one young woman, um, part of the LGBTQ community. And what is written on the back of her piece she also has tattooed on her arm while I live I hope and that just as a woman really struck with me or hit home with me because I thought I think all of us as women as long as we're alive we're hoping that one we've made our mark on the world we've you know, we've taken care and done for others, but also we hope for one another, at least I do as a female. And I think Amanda, that's safe to say about you, that we have these hopes and wants for one another. Um, And, and these women that you're kind of immortalizing in this sculpture have been able to do that for you and I both, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And it was interesting because Nellie Bly wrote, while I live, I hope she saw that on Mm -hmm. the wall of the asylum, And she said it struck her forcibly because she thought, how can any of these women have hope? But she went on to give hope to them through her investigative journalism, through the conveyance of her stories, through speaking truth to power and standing up for the little guy. And so, yes, I think that's the best we can do for each other is to instill that, uh, instill that, um, idea of hope and progress. And ultimately, even though these are stories of women who have, who have had great suffering, I think ultimately the story is that they have continued on, they have overcome, they have, they have, um, they have put the pieces of the puzzle back together, really. You know,
0: for, I think, creatives like us, your creative space is different than my creative space. Um, I've always felt fortunate and honored that with the work that I do and the stories that I get to tell that I can give a voice to someone. And, And in a lot of ways, you know, Amanda, what you do is you give a voice to the voiceless. I mean, some of these, you know, wonderful women who maybe their stories were untold or weren't told enough. Um, all these years later. Um, and that is so
1: important that we continue, you continue doing that, right? Oh, absolutely. So you'll see that there is a bit of a theme in my work. There's more than one journalist that yeah. you know, I have I've, I've sculpted in bronze. And that's because um, the work that you do mm-hmm. is so important. Um, I think that journalism in particular is is a great example of speaking the truth, speaking truth to power, giving, revealing the truth for everyone and allowing them to, to, to do with it what they would. But, um, but I think that yes, in different ways, hopefully we do give a voice to the voiceless. And that's interesting that you say that, because that is one of the things I say about Nellie Bly, that is definitely something that Alice Dunnigan did Mm -hmm. for all the people who she represented. That is exactly what Nettie Depp did for the children in the classrooms for, you know, here in the state of Kentucky, some of these people advocated 100, 150 years ago Some of them advocated for 50 years ago. And the best I think you and I can do is take these stories and continue to advocate, continue to not only tell their stories, but bring that information into the 21st century. And honestly, that's what I tried to do with the Girl Puzzle Monument in New York City was to take Nellie Bly's words written over 130 years ago and bring that into present day and show where we are right now. What is the same? What is different? How far have we come? And how far do we still need to go? And I think bring, I think, putting current faces to some of Nellie Bly's stories lets us know where we are Mm -hmm. as women, where we are as a community and where we, where we are still heading.
0: Yeah, I think that's what's cool is when I saw the young lady that that had that particular wording, you know, as a as a tattoo for her, it was very meaningful to her. But it's also so very relevant in the year 2021, 2022, um, her words from all those years ago. You know, I think that to me, public art should do a couple of things. It should. Um, inspire us. Um, It should hopefully educate us and it should open up a conversation. So I'm wondering, do you think in the last, obviously COVID has put a dent in a lot of things, but, you know, when I first talked to you in 2018, do we think that this conversation has continued? I know it has a long way to go, but have we opened up a better conversation about public art and women's role in public art, not just from the installations, but from people like you also that are the artists?
1: I do. I think that it, well, first of all, I think that public art often creates a dialogue mm-hmm. in and of itself. So public art is very important in many ways, other than just something that you look at. And it, with regard to our history, our history of public art in America, I say that it has an anemic scholarship. And the reason it's an anemic scholarship is because it's somewhat shallow. It, you know, there's not a lot of depth. If we have, um, you know, it is it is reduced to being very similar. So I think that this opens the dialogue to tell many, many different stories. Um, people love to hear stories uh, about history, but they also love to see it in action. They love to interact with it. They love to be a part of it. Um, so I, part of the dialogue that I introduce is that the best way we can change this anemic scholarship of public art is to decentralize what has been central Hmm. and by and large, when you look at the public art across America, you see that the lion's share of it is about wars or dominance. Mm. And, and that does not tell a story of community does not tell a story of inclusivity. It does not tell a story of diversity. It does not tell a story of love. So I say that we need to wage a campaign of love and peace and community Mm. with the same vigor the same enthusiasm and the same inspiration and when we do that we will reveal through all different forms of art what we are trying to convey to each other and as that continues because the dialogue is open right now we i know that because i'm traveling so much and having this dialogue but it takes time. And, um, so public art does play a big part in, in this dialogue and not just static public art, interactive public art, performance art. It's interesting because many people say, how many sculptures are there of women? And I can tell them that because of the audit. Mm. I also like to say that I haven't felt represented in public sculpture, as a subject or as the artist, Hmm. because most people don't even think about the fact that there are female sculptors. We are so rare. Yeah, (laughs) there are so few. So you make such a great point because we do need more sculptures representing women. And I don't mean women, I don't mean that women are categorically the same. Mm. I mean Mm. that we need to have discussions about the breadth of representing women. There are so many different types of, of women out there. So many ages, Mm. so many iterations of humanity. Think about how many sculptures have you ever seen of an older woman Mm. Beautiful wrinkles and laugh lines and all? Probably none. How many have you seen who represent a woman who is in the LGBTQ community? How many have you seen who represent an immigrant? and and that's what our country was based on, our country, you know, So I just think that these dialogue, this dialogue is so important because representation of all types to all people, is what it takes to build a community mm-hmm. and for everyone to feel welcome. And I think we're headed in a better direction. And I hope that in some tiny way, perhaps I've moved the needle just a little bit.
0: More from our conversation with Amanda Matthews when we return. Get more local news and weather at a more convenient time. Watch WKYT News at 10 on the CW Lexington with Amber Philpot, Bill Bryant, and Chris Bailey. What I want to know is how does someone that is as creative as you are, um, what what did COVID do to your creativity? Did it um, sort of squash it? Did it enhance it? You know, I, I, I just in a way, I, and I've asked this to a couple of other people I've had on the podcast. In a way, for what I will say for me. Um, in terms of the creative space I have for telling stories that when when COVID first happened and we were sort of on lockdown, I felt this this sense of, this is weird, but rejuvenation because everything else went away. Um, And I could focus on just telling a story and I didn't have X, Y, and Z. Like I didn't need to be here, there, and everywhere. And I could go, oh my gosh, I just want to do my work and tell my story. So that's how I I felt it for me. And then it's weird as we start to open back up where little bits of your time are carved away. And I say little bits of my brain are carved away because I feel like the creativity is being pulled out with it. So I'm, I'm wondering for someone that is way more creative than me, like you, what that did to you?
1: Well, I think that I understand completely. (laughs) First of all, I did the same thing when, when when things started to shut down, of course, there was the initial fear of, oh, my goodness, you know, everyone has the fear of um, how is this going to affect my ability to, you know, pay bills, get food, you know, all the jobs were shut down. We had active job sites that we couldn't go to, we couldn't get to. So there's the initial fear of survival. And, And honestly, because I have lived different lives, you know, I've lived below the poverty line Mm -hmm. at some points in my life, and I've lived well above the poverty line. And so I think that you see things from very different vantage points depending upon where you are. So that first initial the feeling was fear, was, oh my goodness, how will we survive this? Once we got through that and we realized we would survive, I felt the exact same way you felt, which was, wow, this is a breath of fresh air for a creative. Because mm-hmm. I think that, especially when I am working on a concept, in particular, the Girl Puzzle Monument in New York City, because that was one of the projects I was working on, I really like to deeply, deeply explore mm. what it is that has inspired someone to, um, to really, um, just go beyond the expectation of a human being within the context of their life. I really want to, I want to deeply, deeply understand Mm -hmm. what has caused them to dedicate their entire life to a cause. Mm -hmm. And I think that the quiet space that's needed for that to conceptualize um an art project or conceptualize a legacy, and then to convey that through a visual medium, um, an audio type of medium like this, uh, to write like you do. I mean, you do the same thing that I do in many ways. You're trying to synthesize the details of a beautiful story and determine how you can best convey that to an audience that will also inspire them. I mean, that's really the purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that quiet space. I love that private space where I can write and think and conceptualize. Um, And then after a while, once you've been in that deep space, writing and creating, you think, hmm, maybe I should be around another human being. (laughs) It's nice to know that
0: someone else shares that because I was just I was just thinking, wow, it's nice to know someone else goes down a rabbit hole and literally can't find their way out of the rabbit hole, which is what I tend to do. And then also, it's nice to have someone say to you, you know, Amber, you could come out of that edit bay because no matter how much you sit there and stare or change that, it's still going to be the same. So how
1: about you come out, you know? Well, and you, you are such a public figure, you know, you're on television, people see you all the time. So I don't know how much that made your interactions with people different during the pandemic. But I know for me. When I first started kind of coming back out of the hole, I thought, do I have any social skills left? Do I know how to speak to other people? Do I remember what utensils to eat if I'm, you know, uh, to, to, to have dinner somewhere else? So I think everybody though is, is going through this, don't you? I mean, I think everyone, I think everyone has gone through this pandemic in different ways, of course every human being, in my opinion, has suffered in Mm. some way during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Every one of us have had some sort of loss. We have had fear. Mm -hmm. We have had struggles, um, mentally, financially. Um, and then there are also successes that I think a lot of people have had. I think me included. I think that there are people who have had needed quiet time where they've had these wonderful aha moments where they have thought, wait, I love to write, or I love to paint, or I love to whatever. And so, you know, we have to acknowledge the difficulties from the pandemic, of course, Mm -hmm. but I think we also should at least try to find Um, the beauty in, in, in some of the soul searching that people have done who have come out on the other end. I feel like I've come out of this so far in some ways better because it gave me the opportunity to go a little deeper, Mm. you know, to see what's truly important, to see what is really meaningful and let everything else fall by the wayside. So you know, hopefully other people have experienced some of that as well, too. I know you're
0: one that's always working on something. And so I promised that we would keep this around 30 minutes. So my last question, what is Amanda Matthews working on now? And where can we see your next beautiful piece of creation and art?
1: Are you allowed to say? I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that this is where we are, because that's a good segue. I am actually working on the Kentucky COVID Memorial.
0: I I was just, when we were talking about that, I was like, you know, I knew that that was coming and I was saying, I felt what you were saying that all of the things that you just said would be conveyed in some kind of memorial where we would all sort of feel those things. So you're exactly right. That was a great unknown segue that I helped make there. So talk to me about that. Good
1: job. Yeah. Sometimes you get so. it right, you know? <laughs> You're a natural. <laughs> so, well, the Kentucky COVID Memorial, um, Governor Andy Bashir and an, an entire team of people, um, I think it was maybe even a year ago, they put out a cardist nationally, I think, and um, to honor, um, to honor the people of Kentucky, to honor the people of Kentucky who we have lost to honor people in Kentucky who have clearly suffered, but to also honor our first line responders, Mm -hmm. to honor the doctors and nurses and firefighters and police officers and grocery workers and material handlers and and truck drivers and and every human being who in some way or another stepped up and helped hold Mm -hmm. up our commonwealth. And so they put out this call. Um, I think that they received dozens and dozens and dozens of applications from all over the nation. And I was lucky enough to be one of the 11 who were shortlisted mm-hmm. and then was even luckier beyond that to be the person whose concept was chosen. So wow. I am incredibly honored by this and uh, we are that is the next big project. so um, so I am working on, um, on, on, on a, on a lot. Uh, uh, I think there are seven or eight figures in bronze. There are several elements to this, but it will be permanently installed at the, um, Memorial Monument Park right there at the Capitol. It will be just up the hill, I think from the, um, from the Gold Star Family, uh, Veteran Memorial but, um, it's a nice, it's a wonderful project. It Mm -hmm. has a wonderful message. So the title of my concept is United. We stand divided. We fall. And it's interesting because we are the only state in the nation who, who has that, um, motto. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like it really did convey everything. It does. So, um, so I created a concept paper and an audio Mm -hmm. that tells the story of how I created the visual aspects of the monument from understanding the history of the motto, Mm -hmm. United we stand, divided we fall. And interestingly, the first time that we know of that it was used in history was, was a few thousand years ago. It was an Aesop fable. And then it works its way, it winds its way through history. Um, And so I tell a little bit about the story of how it was included in certain songs during the revolutionary war in the United States and how it was adopted and, and why and how it represents our Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to include everyone in our state. I wanted everyone to feel represented uh, in it because it really does take that community for us to stand and be strong. And um, so in a Commonwealth, you know, we all should have an equal voice and I want that to come through in the monument as well. But Mm -hmm. we certainly do want to honor those who've suffered and Oh, that will be beautiful. I mean, that is a, that's a beautiful concept.
0: I mean, I I can't imagine what it's going to look like, but that is so, so needed right now. And to be able to have that particular phrasing that is important to the state, but also very important in so many other ways for all of us right now is really cool.
1: Well, with memorials in particular, um, we know that there is grief. We know that there is. Sorrow. And so some of the elements that I wanted to include were the green lights, of course, mm-hmm. and, um, the sounds of bells, but I also wanted this monument to give people again, that sense of hope, mm-hmm. that sense of hope, that sense of inspiration, that communities stick together, that we all help hold each other up. We all come to the aid of others when they're in need. So, I wanted to give both sides of the coin, so to speak, to acknowledge what we've lost, but to also acknowledge what we have as, as a state, as a community, as a group of people. So anyway, um, we, uh, we're excited about that. We are, we are really involved in that project. And I, I don't know exactly when, um, the finish date is yet, but I certainly hope that, um, I certainly hope that um, uh, that is well received by the people of Kentucky. Well,
0: Amanda Matthews, I could literally sit here probably for hours with you to talk about art and women and history and all those things, um, but I know you're a busy, a busy gal and I appreciate a little bit of your time, but I'm, I mostly appreciate what you're doing for this world and, and um, I think all of us just hope that, again, like I said, we've made some kind of mark on the world, but I, th- I certainly think that you have done that in many different ways, so thank you, let me say to you, for doing that.
1: Well, thank you. It is such an honor to be here. It's such an honor to speak with you and thank you for the great work you do as well. Well, thank you. And to our listeners, we always appreciate you. Thank you
0: for tuning in to Uniquely Kentucky.